That it may be podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm John. This is the People's Podcast, and today we'll be talking about the half-season finale of Season 5 of The Walking Dead, an episode entitled Coda. As usual in this podcast, John and I will talk through what happened in the episode from beginning to end, veering off on whichever tangents take our fancy, and then we'll discuss any especially interesting aspects of the episode in more detail. This episode begins right where the last one left off. Bob Lampson is trying to make his escape attempt by essentially running around the block and every now and then stopping to try and break through his bonds and free his hands. And Rick runs him down. Yeah, literally. As with Rick all season, without much hesitation, just no. bang. He, did, he does tell him to stop twice. You know, I mean, he doesn't say, stop or I'll run you down. But he does say stop a couple of times. Yep. And, I, and I think anyone in Lamson's position would have assumed that there wasn't all else attached to that. Yeah. Rick just doesn't make idle threats anymore. No. Doesn't happen. Then we jump over to Gabriel's escape attempt, which I've got to say is going just about as well. <laughs> because he's made it to the school mm-hmm. and the cannibal camp. Uh, and he looks at the leg and sees that they were carrying a Bible round with them. Mm. And has a bit of a breakdown again. Mm. And the zombies in the school break out, as has been threatened all season. Of course. Check off school full of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and of course they have to break out when the person least equipped to deal with it is yes. around. And he runs back through the woods, making sure to stop every couple of hundred metres, just to make sure they stay inside of him, and follow him the whole way back to the church. Yes! Fuck him. <laughs> well, how else can he put everyone else in danger? Yeah. So anyway, he goes in, they, they, he finds himself in exactly the same situation that his congregation were in. Yes. But luckily for him, it's not him inside the church, it's some decent people, and they let him in, and they have to run out the back of the church through his escape hole. Mm-hmm. And he does at least take the final job of holding the door closed mm. until everyone else is out. Yes. At least he does that. Yeah, as he's running back, he is yelling out stuff to Michonne, like, I see now, I understand... I get what this world is. He's not saying exactly those words, but... Well, he says that when he's banging on the door. Yeah. Not running back to the church. Running back to the church, he's just out of breath. Oh, okay. well, I meant in that scene. Right, yes. Whatever. He's reached the I mean, it's not, it's not inconceivable that he would have been stupid enough to have been also yelling oh, while sure running back to the church. Oh, I'm sure he was yodelling while running back to the <laughs> But, yes, it was while he was banging on the door trying to get attention. Mm. So, he seems to have had, finally, finally had some sort of epiphany about the needs of this world. Well, seeing someone's severed, partially eaten leg will do that to you. One hopes. Well, yes. He did see the rest, he saw the other 90% of Bob alive without the leg, and that didn't do it. Yeah, that's not quite as shocking as actually seeing the partially eaten severed leg, I feel. Well, fair enough. Up until then, the leg being eaten by people was all quite theoretical still. That's true, that's true. And I think it did matter to him that he found a Bible at that camp. He's holding on to his old, uh, his old time religion and his old time mm. theories about where he was getting his morality from. Was I think busted a bit by the fact that these people were walking around with a Bible. Mm. 
Now, as they're making their escape, a couple of things happen. Michonne seems to be afraid that Carl will keep running. She takes a moment to tell him he has mm. to wait for her, which yeah. is interesting. Maybe she's just seen how many times he leaves the house. And... But I thought it was interesting. Why on earth wouldn't he wait for her? Yeah. Maybe she was just making sure. Maybe. And the other thing, Gabriel is literally protected by a machete. Yes. When that first zombie falls into the room. Yes. Falls onto the machete. Exactly. He's literally, finally, protected by the sword that he then takes up and uses for the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he takes that as a sign from God or something. Yep. And they get outside, and luckily for Gabriel, there is no more running. They're going to hold their position in some way. Mm-hmm. Back in Atlanta, at the uh, warehouse headquarters, they have a little discussion, and the upshot of it really is that the two cops are going to lie about what happened to Lamson, mm-hmm. or Lamson, whatever his name is, and the trade will continue. Yeah. Nothing particularly to say there. Mm. Back at the hospital, Dawn is worrying about the cops that are unaccounted for, and Beth asks and gets Dawn's version of the Hanson story. Yeah. I feel like... I mean, you can't see from there, but a lot of this page where I've got notes about today's episode, the scenes to do with Dawn just say, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> well, her story is absolutely dripping with her value judgments about him. Mm-hmm. She didn't say, for example, she didn't say he went crazy and started becoming a despotic ruler. What she said was, he lost sight of what this is meant to be. He lost sight of what he was meant to be doing. I think that's a qualitatively different thing than to just describe why he was unacceptable as a leader. Do you think that Hanson went too soft or too tough in the Mm. eyes of the cops? I don't know. It's an interesting question because it could be both, couldn't it? It's entirely ambiguous as far as I can tell. Yeah. If the cops were acting the way they are now, perhaps Hanson was too hard on the cops and wasn't letting them do what they wanted to do, and that caused a rebellion. But it's also possible that he was also letting them get away with too much. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's... it's, The story is full of Dawn's value judgments on Mm. him, not full of actual facts about what happened. Just about how she perceived him. Yes, I think that's true. I wish that some character this season, or this half season, had given us something about what Hanson had actually done. Mm. Any instance of actual activity, not Mm. some kind of vibe that he'd lost the place. Mm. Like, I'm not even sure that the writers of the show know what they think Hanson did. Yeah. One of my problems with Dawn, and with all of these conversations with her and Beth, was far too early in knowing her, it was revealed that she was absolutely crazy had a crazy worldview, mm. And so all of this stuff to try and... I mean, they've succeeded in humanising her a little bit, in the sense that I feel sorry for this crazy woman, to mm. some extent. Mm. But I just don't have any time for listening to her worldview. <laughs> I don't have yes. any time for her bullshit about anything. Yes. I was waiting for the moment when someone was going to kill her. Yeah. That's all this episode. So I'm... Because they revealed far too early exactly how nuts she was and exactly how evil she was as a result of that, Mm. I just didn't care about any of her conversations. I thought that there was... I'm skipping forward a little bit here now, but I thought that it was interesting listening to her talk about and responding to the things that Beth accuses her of. I thought that the things that she said and this kind of incredulous way that she receives Beth's opinions... Sort of going, oh yeah, you think that, do you? I didn't think that they were fully manufactured. 
I think that Dawn herself is not that certain about the reasons that she does things necessarily. I think there is some part of her that knows that the system that she is allowing to operate is actually fucked. Mm. Certainly not enough of her to stop it from happening, or hasn't been up to now. But it's enough of her for her to feel uncomfortable about it and not be totally okay with it. Yeah, well... Which doesn't help anyone, but it's it's, there. That just annoyed me more, and we'll get to that in a little bit. The crisis of conscience. (laughs) Just fuck off. But, um, yeah, it's not even that I think she's lying. I don't think it's bullshit in that sense. I don't think she's lying to Beth. I think she believes this shit. Mm. It's just that I don't care what a crazy person believes. Fair enough. Especially not one who's hurting people because they're crazy. Mm. So, anyway, that was one of the problems I had with a lot of the Dawn scenes. Fair enough. Back at the church, Michonne <laughs> gives one of the most beautiful just cut your shit out glares to Gabriel mm. <laughs> that I've ever seen on TV. Mm-hmm. There should be an award for that stuff. <laughs> And asked him what he was up to. And he explains that he went to the cannibal camp because he needed to know for sure. He needed to see for himself what it was these people had been doing and who yeah. they were. Yeah. So I guess he succeeded. <laughs> but then the zombies break out of the church. And luckily, just in time, the fire truck turns up. Yes. And it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Best parking since the Blues Brothers movies. <laughs> Uh, Talk about the cavalry arriving just in time. Yes, there's a very efficient information dump from both sides. Mm-hmm. Eugene is still a liar mm-hmm. and still a bit of a vegetable from the look of things. Mm-hmm. And Michonne tells Maggie that Beth is alive and people have gone to save her. Yes, and Maggie expresses something about her sister for the first time in the whole half season. Exactly. Now, I'm not having a go at Lauren Cohen. I think she did the best with what they gave her this season. Mm. But character-wise... Would have been Far helpful too little, too late. Would have been helpful if they'd mentioned it at all. Once beforehand. in the first episode, mm. and once now. Yep. And in the entire 16 episodes since they got split up, that's how much Maggie's character has given a shit about Beth. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if she just explained quietly to Glenn one evening that the reason she didn't talk about it was because it was too painful. If they'd spent 10 seconds doing that... I know. You know, and it would have been quite believable because, I mean, Beth is the last member of her family. Mm. She had a big family. And, like, you're right. She could have spent ten seconds saying to Glenn, I'm trying so hard not to think about how I have this massive family and Beth is all I have left. Yeah. I've probably lost her. I'm trying so hard not to think that. I need to not have hope about this. Or something. Yeah. Something. That's right. That stopped Like, I just, I just can't talk about it. Or whatever. Because it rang so sour, Mm, this episode. Watching this character suddenly Mm -hmm. give a shit. Yep. It was not cool. Not believable. Not believable. Too little, too late. Beth and Dawn, more crazy, more crazy. Beth's looking down the uh, elevator shaft. shaft, And Dawn comes in to spout some bullshit at her. (laughs) Yep. And we find out that as well as stealth zombies... Mm. that you can't hear till they're on screen, and as well as dramatic vehicles. This season, <laughs> we are met with a new creature, the Stealth Asshole Cop. <laughs> Apparently able to come through doors without making a noise. Anyway, there's a fight, and it's vicious. It is vicious. Dawn's a real street fighter. Yeah. During the fight, there is this whole conversation between her and this cop mm. about how he's changed and he's no longer the good guy who had kids at the hospital. He's a, you know, bad guy, and... Mm. He makes a fairly valid point that if he's a bad guy, what the fuck does that make Dawn? Mm. And again, I just don't have... Her outrage at, at the situation. Oh, I'm not going to let it happen anymore. Except you do. In ten minutes' time, you do. You mm. go straight back to exactly status quo. Yep. 
So, like, oh, yeah, I just, yeah, don't have any time for it. Well, I mean, she could have been saying it. Like I said, I don't think she's actually fully okay with the system. I think maybe this is just one of the things she tells, she says to make herself feel better. Yeah, I feel like it was just, you know, she was letting it, was, it out for ten minutes. Yeah. But she doesn't do anything about it. She doesn't no. fix the system. No. As they were looking down the elevator shaft where the cop is pushed into, all my brain was thinking was, stand behind her, Beth, stand behind her. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much assumed that Dawn was going to give Beth a push as well. It's interesting how important it is for Dawn that Beth believes her. Because, I mean, he looks at times like Dawn doesn't care. You know, she seems very offhand about, oh, well, you know, fine, you think that. But she continues to engage in these conversations with Beth. You know, if she really didn't care, she'd say, whatever, fuck off. You know, but she continues to engage in this again and again. And I think that's because she's also trying to convince herself. That small part of her brain that does realise this is all horribly, horribly wrong is enjoying the fact that Beth, you know, is telling her the truth. Yes. And I think that part of her brain, I think it does bother her. I don't care. She's crazy. I don't give a fuck about it. I didn't say I cared about it either. I'm just stating a fact. No, no, but the fact that that it keeps appearing on screen implies that they think we care, and I just don't. (laughs) Anyway. Yep. There's yet another scene of her spouting bullshit, Beth talking some truth back at her, and then Carol wakes up. And that's good. That's good. During that scene, the one moment of note really is that Dawn is absolutely convinced Noah's going to come back. And the way she talks about it, Mm. he's going to come back as his own choice because that's the way he's going to survive because he can't possibly make it if he leaves. Well, yes. I mean, at this point, she doesn't know about the other group. No. And so she's probably right in that sense. If Noah had met no one, I don't think he would have gone back to the hospital. It's true. I think it's because she's crazy. Fair enough. Tyrese and Sasha are having a chat on top of a roof. Oh, yeah. And he comes clean about not having killed Catman. Mm. <laughs> the different faces she pulls throughout the entire conversation make me so happy. <laughs> Starting off with the, why the fuck would you raise the guy's name with me face? And yep. moving on from there. It just got better and better. Yes. I, I remember a few episodes ago when, you know, we noted that Catman wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. I remember raising that I thought it had to come up again at some point. Otherwise, what's the point of having Tyree's... Well, I alive. think... I, and I thought it might have come up with Carol, but mm. it's come up in this context. Well, it's come up. Not as a thing that's going to come back on him or backlash, but, no, no, but just but as it... a thing he's talking about with her. Yeah. I found the conversation a little enigmatic. I wasn't really sure what it was he was trying to say to her. Yeah. No, I'm not really sure either. I know what conclusion she reached, mm. which was that he doesn't really seem to be changing all that much, but she's not him. Yeah. And she is changing. I think she's, she's basically saying and there is room for both of those things to happen. There's room for you to stay as you are and there's room for me to change. We're responding as two different people to somewhat similar situations because we are two different people. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a very good summation of what she said. Again, we're not really clear on where Tyrese is going, but... No. It's... I wish he was going somewhere, though, because yeah. at the moment I just feel like he's reiterated again. Oh, I don't want to hurt people. Yeah, it's a sort well... of eight-episode-long hesitation, which is <laughs> too long. Yes. So that seems fairly short, actually. And we move on to Rick on the roof meeting up with the cops to basically strike the deal for the exchange. Yep. And it's just a bonanza of badass. 
From yes. the brilliant shot Sasha makes to the very cool timing to the fact that he knows everything about the group that he's talking to. Yeah. And you can absolutely see why they would think his group might be formidable. Yeah. Yep. Well, the cops are scared. And they should. They should. Yep. The best thing about it is knowing that 0% of it is bluff. Well, that's right. Like you, you said during the show, Rick doesn't bluff. Not anymore. So, the exchange goes ahead. The next scene's in the hospital. And it's all going more or less okay. Fairly tense, but more or less okay. Mm. Until Dawn lets out her crazy some more. Because she won't let Noah leave. Do you think that was just because she couldn't bear to lose? Like, you know, her prophecy about him coming back. I think it was about power within the hospital. I think it was about Mm. her showing that her wards couldn't escape to the other cops. Which was... Like, I got the impression afterwards. After the shit goes down and all goes crazy. That other woman cop... Mm. Who may not really have been a couple, you know, don't know. But she steps into that power vacuum very quickly. Well, she does for that ten minute period. Who the hell knows who's running the hospital tomorrow? I just feel like Dawn's... If that was really about power and demonstrating that her wards can't get away, I'm not sure if that was really necessary. No, but nothing Dawn... Not nothing. Dawn's outlook and behaviour aren't based on logic or reactions to reality. No. This is why I don't have any time for it. I don't (laughs) care. It's clear from the way she was looking at her officers that her main concern was appearing strong in front of them. She obviously Mm. thought holding on to Noah was part of that. Yeah. But I can kind of see her make the decision. Oh, absolutely. When the camera's on her, as they're walking away, you can see her sort of go, right... Yeah, whilst looking back to where her officers are. Yeah. You know, she clearly made it for that reason. It's just that that reason's not founded on anything except the fact that she's crazy. So, meh, it's a sort of closed circle as far as discussion is (laughs) concerned in my brain. Mm, Okay. So, she wants Noah. Rick doesn't want to give him back. Not from a possessive point of view, but from a he's not a possession point of view. Which, you know, makes Rick's group more commendable. Mm. He's not yours because he says he's not yours. Yeah. In order to prevent bloodshed, Noah goes back. Mm. Beth wants to give him one last hug, and Dawn just cannot let it go. And says one final thing, and Beth I always knew you'd be back. Yeah, yeah. See? Beth just goes, fuck you, lady. Yeah. (laughs) She really did look ready to kill. Well, she had a good go at it. Well, this is my thing, right? We lost Beth, who's awesome. Mm. Who's newly awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Beth, who has been out there, who is totally great, manages to kind of stab this woman a little bit in the torso. Just below the shoulder. Yeah, but you've got to, you know, long stick it in the head. If stick one, it in her eye. Yeah, if there's one thing you should know how to do after being out there, <laughs> it's how to take out the brain. Yes. Why wouldn't you go the neck, right? Right into the base of the skull. Yeah. That's what I think you'd do. Yeah. It was a weird shot. And I understand it was so that Dawn wasn't just down and out for the count, and but, like, it was such an ineffectual attack. Mm. Beth died mm. in order to basically give this woman a small toothpick prick. Yes. When Dawn shoots Beth, seemingly on a reflex, mm. you know, she looks visibly shocked at yes. what she's done, and then she looks to the group, and she's stabbed at that point. And it's obvious that the wound is nowhere near serious enough to take any of her attention at that point. No. You know, it's not like, oh my god, I've been stabbed, I've been stabbed. There's yeah. none of that. It's just, oh, I'll just put my hand over there. I, I didn't mean to. You know, and it's just really clear that, as you were saying, it's, it's, a, it's a toothpick. Yeah. Hit no vital organs. 
And I understand that was so that Daryl could actually shoot her in the head, mm. but I feel like they could have made the wound slightly more grave. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was a little bit underwhelming. Daryl shoots her right in the forehead. Yeah. She's done. Yeah. And Daryl is... Broken. Yeah. Yeah. When Daryl cries, we all cry. We all cry. I'm welling up now. The curly-headed cop steps in and mm. stops any further shooting. She yep. manages to break she says up the scene. It's just about her, yeah. which is true. Well, yeah, more or less, I suppose. Have, have, we, we know so little about this group. We don't fucking know. Well, yes, but I mean, like, at that point in time, I think it's quite clear that the plan was not to shoot Beth on their behalf. It was a reflex yeah. on behalf of Dawn. Dawn is now dead. They've each lost someone. Let's put the shutters down on that particular episode. Yeah, yeah. Because the alternative is a shootout where we most all of die. us die. Yeah. No, it was absolutely the right thing to say to draw a line under it. Absolutely. Mm. Now, both groups make the offer that mm. anyone who wants to can stay with them slash leave with them. Mm. And no one takes it up. No. No one from the hospital takes it up. I was surprised. I thought someone at least. Maybe the old guy who pushed around? Well, it makes me wonder, up until Beth... And to some extent, Noah. Maybe they had chosen their victims really well. Maybe they had chosen people who were more terrified of... I mean, the whole system relies on the subjugated class within the hospital being more terrified of the external dangers than the internal ones. That's how the whole system's built. Yeah, but I'm not sure if they would have had a steady enough flow of victims to really be able to pick and choose. You only need, like, one a month. Yeah. I don't know. I still think it was a little odd. I mean, I know that you can get, you know, what's that thing where someone keeps you prisoner and then eventually you grow to love it or whatever. Oh, you mean like Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. Like I don't st- think that's what it is. I just think they're so oppressed that they won't leave. Well, that's sort of on the way. But, yeah, no, I, I thought it was strange even then. Because this is the thing that I thought while that was happening. I was looking at them. I was looking at Rick and Daryl and Carol losing their shit because Beth has died. Mm. And I was contrasting what was going on in the two groups. Dawn was dead. No one on that side was upset. No. No one. Beth's group was distraught. You know, there was no one there who was okay. Everyone was just like, oh my god, Beth is dead. Yeah. If I had been someone who was being kept prisoner, essentially, at the hospital, I don't know, I mean, I would have looked at the other group and gone, hey look, human beings who feel for each other. There's something I don't see every day. Why don't we give that one a shot? Maybe if you're in the hospital, you're thinking, well, Dawn was the major problem here. We now don't have Dawn and two of the most horrible cops. Yeah. And some of the nicer cops seem to be in charge now. And we still have a pretty sweet setup. Maybe part of it is thinking, well, Dawn's dead. She was the key problem. Maybe things will be better now. Was she the key problem? Well, I don't know. We just don't know enough about the hospital. Not that I wanted to spend any more time with Dawn, but we spent a lot of time with Dawn at the expense of meeting anyone else from the hospital. We met the doctor. Well, we kept on meeting bad police officers who would then die. Yes. We met this (laughs) endless stream of stealth bad cops, and then the doctor a bit, and Dawn a bit. But we actually... We meet Noah, but he's gone after an episode. We meet Joan, but she's gone after half an episode. Mm. And that's it. We don't know anyone else. We don't really know that old guy, except that he'd do anything for strawberries. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I mean, I get why no one from Rick's group went into the hospital. But no, of course not. Having seen something of the hospital, it's interesting that no one wanted to leave. People wanted to leave Woodbury. Well, yeah. And, and as far as we know, I'm, there wasn't I'm, any I'm... systematic rape in Woodbury. Yeah. 
basically I'm saying I think it's more than interesting. I think it's slightly unbelievable that mm. not one person wanted to leave that situation. Mm. It's just about believable that they might be going, oh, the devil you know, and maybe the bad guys are gone now. I can just about believe it, but or whatever. I think it would have been better if just one person had gone... Bye, fuckers. <laughs> I say that there's no one from the hospital I want to see anything more from. So. No, that's true. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy with them leaving all those lunatics. I don't know. I had, I had to have this little fantasy that that old guy who likes the strawberries kind of joining the group and being the kind of new Dale. <laughs> You're going to oh, keep our humanity. <laughs> we don't need a new Dale. The time for Dale's is past. <laughs> So then the little fire engine that could turns up in Atlanta at exactly the moment for Rick's group to dramatically exit. Yes. And I noted that Gabriel was carrying his machete correctly. Mm. He's taken up the sword at last. Yes. Then we get to Maggie seeing Beth's body. Again, feeling a little hollow because of the lack of any previous scenes to base it upon. Yeah. But taken in isolation... Trying to forget about the fact that they ignored the relationship for two half seasons. Yeah. It was very sad. And Daryl just gets me every time. Yeah. Every emotion Daryl feels, it's like he's plugged directly into my heart. And every emotion Daryl feels, I feel as well. (laughs) If he's happy, which it doesn't happen very often at all, I'm happy. (laughs) When he and Carol saw each other for the first time after Terminus and their reunion and... You know, the whole, you complete me moment. It was so heartwarming. And this killed my soul. Seeing how he was about Beth was heartbreaking. I mean, it really does show where they've put the effort in in the last two half seasons. Yes. Because he and Carol witnessing Beth's death was far more gut-wrenching than Maggie. Yes, it was. Far more gut-wrenching. It was. Despite the fact that they had a ready-made relationship to use between Maggie and Beth. Yeah. They wouldn't have needed to put much fuel into it to make it really awful. But even then, they needed to put some, some. fuel. Yeah. <laughs> and they put none in They let that flame all. die. You know. <laughs> they put a match to bare stone and then it didn't catch fire and, you know, who's surprised? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was effective for the relationships that they had bothered to develop. Yes. So after the credits, Morgan has, he's lost his face mask, which is a shame because that thing was creepy. <laughs> but he's followed the <laughs> markings on the trees, and he makes it to the school where the cannibal camp is, then to the church, and he finds the map that says Rick Grimes' name on it. Yes. Now, can I ask you something about this? Of course, that's what we're here for. He seemed <laughs> he seemed surprised when he saw Rick Grimes' name. So why the fuck was he following the group? Well, he was following a group. So he's just picked some random tracks to follow? Well, if you've got nothing else to do... I suppose so. I don't think he knows that it's Rick's group. The last time Rick saw him, Mm. right, Rick had a set abode at the prison. Right. And he told Morgan where he was, Mm. where their setup was. So my assumption was that Morgan had made it to the prison and had then trailed the group. Okay, I hadn't thought of that. I thought maybe Morgan had gotten over his little temporary bout of insanity. He seems to have to some extent. And just decided, well, I just need to get out of here and had stumbled upon the tracks of a group. Well, that certainly seems to be the case now. I think it's pretty evident that 
he didn't know he was following Rick. He does now, though. <laughs> he certainly does now, because he really looks surprised. And it is the surprise that you would feel running into the same person in a world like this so far apart. Like, there's a good chance that anyone you meet a short time later is either gone or dead. The chances of just happening to cross paths with the same person again are pretty low. Yeah, and this would be their third time. Mm. They really are. They're the one true pairing on this show. <laughs> and that's it for Rick you. for Morgan forever. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> I love it. So, what did you think of this episode? For a finale, well, for a half-season finale, I think I actually expected there to be a little more action. Like, I didn't actually think the deal was going to come off. Mm. And, you know, in a sense it didn't, of course, but I thought that the way that it would transpire would result in a bit more action. You know, there being a shootout, perhaps, Mm. or, you know, Dawn trying to double-cross them or something like that. Which, again, she kind of does, but I thought it would happen in a way that would lead to action. Yeah. That's not to say that I was disappointed, necessarily, just surprised. And I guess, in a sense, it does mean that the last few finales have all been action, action, action. And it's not a bad thing to have a different kind of finale, I suppose. (laughs) Kate's making a face at me. (laughs) I I was disappointed, as well as surprised. The most action-packed thing that happened this entire episode was Rick running one guy down in his car. Which was awesome. (laughs) It was awesome, but it should have been the appetizer, not the main meal. (laughs) It just... I mean, there was a lot of emotional punch with Beth going. Mm. But I still want to see the plan that Rick laid down two episodes ago where they just infiltrate the hospital. Yeah. That's the finale I wanted. And Michonne and Cohen, the church and everything was, you know, that's great if they rearrange a few people and finally have them have the epiphany they need to have and all that jazz. Mm. But two thirds of our characters did next to nothing. And the other third had a really underwhelming action sequence. Yeah, I can understand that. I suppose I'm just not quite as in favour of always having an action finale. I think it breaks up the pattern of things. If if we know every time that it's going to be an action-packed finale, then I think I can get a little bit samey. I think if every episode was like that, yeah. But all of the episodes in between are where you have your quiet emotional things. Mm. Season finales should be dramatic. And the, one of the ways for them to be dramatic is to be more action-packed than this was. Mm. Yeah. I suppose the other thing to keep in mind is that we call it a finale, and it... Kind of is, but it's also not. It's a half-season finale. Well, then they could have got away with half the action they had last. (laughs) And they still would have had five times as much action. (laughs) Look, I understand what you're saying. I just, I don't feel as strongly about it as you do. (laughs) Right at the beginning where Rick runs down the cop, one of the things the cop says to him is, you've been out here too long. And I wonder if you think he's right. Is Rick starting to be too hard? I don't think so. I think that that's Lampson's assumption, because he thinks that the way that they're living is the only way to do it. I think he's just assuming that anyone who spends a lengthy amount of time the way that the other group has, you know, must be affected negatively by it, and I just don't think that's true. I think it's absolutely self-evident in that comparing the two groups, we've got one which extorts people and is full of people who are oppressed, and another which is full of people who've basically become a family. I know which one I'd rather be a part of. So, no, Lansing's just wrong. Taken in combination with the preview of next season, where Michonne's obviously pushing for them to head to somewhere she thinks is a safe zone, 
I wonder if part of what's happening here is the beginning of Rick being very opposed to other groups. Not needing to go after them like the governor and not being a nut job, but just being quite isolationist. Because he's now had a very bad run of meeting other humans. Mm. Pretty much everyone since the farm no, no. Well, have been not okay. Well, no, there's been Abraham's group. That's true, I suppose, yeah. Although they kind of turned up and said, hi, we're with Glenn. Yes, from Rick's still, point of view. It's still new people who That's true. weren't fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> or at least he not, certainly had not his crazy share of... in a way that was dangerous to them. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I wonder if that's what they're beginning to set up here. Because they've had a few things with Carl saying some stuff that Michonne took note of and was clearly perturbed by. Yeah. Things like you can't trust anyone, you can't stay anywhere too long, you've got to stay on the move, you can't... Except Carl had that exchange with his father earlier on in the season Mm. in which it was clear that Carl was actually not as isolationist as his dad. That's true, but some of the stuff he said since that conversation, Mm. the conversation where Rick was trying to convince him not to Mm. trust anyone... Mm. Has, been, taken... has begun to be quite isolationist. It's been stuff like, you can't stay in one place for too long, you need to learn how to use all these weapons because nothing is safe, no one is safe, you need to keep moving. He's Oof. been repeating Rick's point of view to Gabriel. Yeah. And Michonne has been taking note. Well, if it's basic mechanics, Carl is right. You know, he did need to learn how to use a weapon. He did need to change the way that he looked at the world. But um... Michonne was obviously troubled to hear that coming out of whatever age Carl's meant to be, kid. 12. Yeah, 12 12 slash 21-year-old kid. 21's pushing it. He looks like he's 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, I think that if that's the direction they take it in, it's going to be totally believable. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you develop an isolationist attitude, even though they have run into a few people who have turned out to be broadly okay? The majority of people they run into are fucking nightmares. Whether Every it's... established group they run into mm. has been... I mean, Abraham and co. were an established group, but they were mobile. They hadn't set up a, a society of their own. They mm. had just happened to bump into Glenn. Mm. Whereas every set-up, established group slash community that, that he's run into since the farm has been really dangerous, except for his own. Yeah. Which sort of makes you wonder. I mean, is Rick's group really unusual then in this world? Were they just incredibly lucky to have the right combination of people and the right sort of personalities where they worked out how to survive yet also remain broadly decent people? Were they just amazingly lucky? Or, or have or, they just been very unlucky? Or have with they just been very unlucky yeah. with regard to who they've met? Like, are there actually other groups out there that aren't that different from their own and they just haven't managed to meet any of them? Mm. Or have all the other groups not been. They might have worked out the interpersonal stuff, but not been pragmatic or badass enough to survive meeting the bastards. Yeah. Maybe they've all been killed off. Maybe the thing that they got right, apart from how to be broadly decent human beings, was the balance of being decent human beings, but also being suspicious as fuck of other people, and, you know, really get into groups with, right, we've all got to know how to kill people, (laughs) we've all got to, you know, put the group first, that kind of thing. You know, there's kind of a dual aspect to it there. There's how they treat each other, and there's how they treat other people. Mm. Um, They seem to have hit upon the golden formula for that. Yes, yeah, Um, they have. And, you know, think about the fact that, like, a week passed this season. mm. So I'm sort of okay with them only meeting two bunch of lunatics this season, but they can't go on forever without meeting a group that's worth meeting. Yeah. And maybe that's what next season will be. 
Next season or next half season? Uh, next half season. I wonder whether, not next half season, but next actual season. I think you've raised this actually as a possibility. Mm. Whether they're going to have a time skip to, for example, age Judith. And also to maybe explain how Carl is so old. <laughs> yeah, explain Carl's beard. <laughs> exactly. I think that would be interesting. And also, I'm kind of getting bored of having Judith around as a baby. Yeah. It's now done. Like, there's nothing else you can really do with Judith. And you kind of saw that. I mean, in this season, they put her in danger twice. Apart from when the whole group was in danger. Yeah, the problem is not that she's occasionally in danger. It's that she isn't anything else. Yeah, and that gets old. Anyway, I think I think that suggested that you made a while ago about the possibility of a time skip would be good because then, you know, we could have Judith as a five-year-old or something. It could be interesting. But yeah, next season. I think it's entirely possible that Ricky's going to turn into some kind of hermit isolationist going, you can't trust them other people. They're not like us. <laughs> and, I mean, it's also a good way to jump forward a whole lot of people's developments because when they did it at the end of season two, when they mm. did the jump forward through winter... Mm. I thought that was quite a good idea because you could have the group coming back as basically a functional yeah. roving team yes. and not have to explain it and not have to spend, you know, one week long seasons yeah. having people really slowly develop in front of your eyes. Yeah. What was your favourite moment from this episode? I'm not sure if I really had a favourite moment. I mean, obviously the most impactful moment is the moment of Beth's death. I mean, it just sort of goes without saying. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call it my favourite moment. Well, understanding that favourite's maybe not the right word. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also feel like Beth's death is also too obvious, so I'm going to choose something else. Fair enough. I reckon the fight between Dawn and other evil cop was... It was a good fight. It was mm-hmm. good to watch. I reckon I'd probably pick that. This is obviously coming in second to Beth's death, but as I said, that's too obvious. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I found that scene a little heart racing. And also Beth pushing him through the door at the end. That whole scene. Yeah. And, you know, the, the little exchange that they had before they actually got to punches, where she's laughably trying to go, I'm not going to stand for this anymore, and him going, well, you have for ages, and what does that make you? Yeah. You say I'm a terrible person for doing these things, but you've done fuck all about it. In fact, you've propagated a system in which I could do it. Who are you because of that? Yeah, pretty much. What scene would you pick? Uh, Rick running down the cop. (laughs) Yeah? Why? Or actually, maybe, no, the rooftop scene, I think. The hostage exchange beginning. Yeah, with the two cops talking to Rick. And Rick (laughs) very casually just saying, I've got two of your people. Yeah. I really enjoy it when his group is firing on all cylinders and things are working. Yes. It's a little bit like the feeling that I get when you see them, you know, set up a new camp or something and you see them do all of that MacGyvery type stuff. Yeah. Filtering the water and setting up traps and stuff like that. And it's sort of that reminder that these people actually know what they're doing most of the time. Yeah. One little moment that proved that was... You know, everyone was saying, what are they pulling out the church organ pipes for? What's that about? Yeah. And then what it was about was a really good idea that basically kept the walkers away from the door. Yeah. These people know what they're doing better than us sometimes. Who'd have thought? (laughs) Yes, well, in the early seasons, most of the time, I think you and I were going, why didn't they do this? It was so obvious. Why didn't they do that? And also, (laughs) why did they do that? That was ridiculous. (laughs) Do you have a zombie kill of the week? I feel like it's too easy to pick the zombie kill of the week. Oh, really? Surely it has to be the zombie falling onto the machete. Oh. Slicing its head in half. That wasn't my favourite. 
Really? Yeah. Oh, well, that was absolutely my favourite. Right. Watching that zombie just kind of fall down, pull itself through the blade, just going... Nah, it was perfect. Fair enough. Fucking loved it. What was yours? I liked Sasha making the sniper shot. <laughs> okay. It was great. Contextually, I, I understand that. It but really as impressive. an actual zombie killer, wasn't that impressive? Eh, I liked it. Yeah, it enough. was fairly impressive. They had the exploding head and all that jazz. <laughs> Actually, do you know this was really good? There was one, as they were heading towards the hospital, where Michonne just cut the top half of the zombie's head off. Yes, I remember that. That one was great too. Yes. But all of Michonne's kills are great. She executes them all with such flair. Well, uh, katanas are a flashy, they're a flashy weapon. They are. Do you have a score out of 10 for this episode? Mmm, 7? It's yeah. certainly not the best. But it, it wasn't terrible. No, no. I think seven's about right, actually. It's, like you say, it kept its head above shit water. <laughs> yes. But not much above. Not much above. Its neck was certainly getting wet. <laughs> That's right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, please send it to tppfeedback at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as at tppfeedback, and you can find us on Facebook just by searching for The People's Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Unless it's cruel. Then you can fuck right off. Bye. Fuckity bye. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Oh, you are such a good little boy.
Can you be a stealth doggy? <laughs> stealth doggy. 